once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are here with the Grand Poobah of Philadelphia himself, Wax from Wax Mechanics. First, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. We're excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I know that uh, you folks get inundated with lots of people that want your attention. So above mm-hmm. all, thank you for your time. Oh, no, it's our pleasure to have you. And I'm, I'm going to say I do definitely appreciate that you're in the studio today. It's very fitting. I like the background. And I thought my backgrounds were cool. <laughs> Um, so for people who don't quite, uh, who aren't familiar with you or don't know who you are, could you just give them like a brief breakdown, the nutshell version of who Wax is and maybe some of your history and stuff that you're working on? Sure. Uh, I'm an American songwriter, guitarist, uh, singer, and uh, drummer. Um, my history is, goes back to the 80s. Uh, I was an, uh, an original founding member and am still a member of American Cult Rockers Nitro. Now, people will say, hey, wait, do you know Jim Gillette? Is it that nitro? The short answer is no. Uh, We formed in 1980 in central Pennsylvania. Uh, The famous nitro, the hair band, started in Los Angeles in the late 80s and were signed and had a glorious career. And I'm a fan of theirs. I know Jim. And uh, but not that nitro. Uh, Our nitro was uh, a bit of a response, America's response to the new wave of British heavy metal. So we were more of a Metallica kind of thing. So we started in 1980, uh, ended up uh, getting signed to a European label, released some records, are doing some reissues now, have released some new music in the uh, uh, probably about 2013. And uh, bang, zoom, we're still moving along. I'm one of the primary uh, creative engines of Nitro, meaning that I write a lot of the stuff with some of the other guys. And uh, the quartet is still active and uh, I uh, am charged with writing a lot of the stuff. So the songs pile up over time. And uh, I found myself with quite a few songs that uh, were, I guess, foreign of their time. And Electric Talon Records out of Philadelphia asked me if I wanted to do a solo album. And because I'd been gigging around and recording as Wax Mechanics for probably about a decade, I said yes. And here we are. And I'm in front of you. And thanks. So I have a follow up. I have a follow up. So he always he always has a follow up. Just so you know. But I got to ask. This is probably a dumb question, but have you guys ever been mistaken mistakenly booked as the as the other Nitro anywhere? Frankly, no. Uh, Oh dang, that would have been fun. It would have been nice because we could have had a really nice payday because those guys were making more than we were. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, did you ever get like this offer to like go play a big show? And it's like, wait, you're not them but anyways that would have been kind of interesting i have to be i have to jump in here curtis occasionally Mm -hmm. we will get uh dm'd or emails asking things about that nitro in los angeles and again i want to emphasize that those guys are great we love that kind of stuff they're just different than us and we were kind Mm -hmm. of done with our serious touring and recording by the time that they actually formed so uh, uh like them and uh kudos to them and their fans we're fans as well Mm-hmm. Or you have a question? Oh, I did not have a follow-up. Did you okay. have a question? I, I have a question. I, I want to talk. So we got to talk oh. a little bit about uh, what? I, 
was going to say, if, if you're not familiar with Curtis's interview style, he is like the Billy Mays of questions. It's always, but wait, there's more, just wait, so you know. <laughs> so I want to, I want to talk a little bit for a second here. So why do you perform under the name Wax Mechanics when your name is not Wax Mechanics and you do not have your, your uh, name in the official band that you're part of as Wax Mechanics? Like what, what, what is the deal with this name? Well, what I wanted to do is um, Nitro's mission statement was really concise and focused. We were doing seriously uh, heavy, uh, almost punk pop metal kind of stuff. And yep. it was limited to the instrumentation. And it was a bit of a democracy. You know, yeah, when you're at a band, obviously, you have to go in and forge these alliances. And there's a negotiation. And yep. uh, there was all kinds of stuff that I wanted to do musically because I'm a big fan of that stuff hence me being in the band for all those years and continue to be almost, well, greater than 40 years. So I, I do like it. Now, what I wanted to do is, and I started to stretch out uh, decades ago and stuff that I would bring to the band just wouldn't be suited for it. Now there was no big dust up about it, but basically it was, uh, no, we're gonna do this kind of thing. And we were all in agreement. So I had these other uh, stylistic uh, choices that were piling up. So, uh, about a decade ago, I decided to do some solo stuff and stretch out a bit. So I'm a big fan of pop. I'm a big fan of rock. I'm a big fan of folk. So I was bringing those kinds of things to bear on it. Now, let me ask you two. Is, it, is a record title, uh, is a record by an artist, Tim Wilson, more exciting or interesting than a record by an artist named Wax Mechanics? It's that simple. You know, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. But uh, so I wanted to make sure that I had some separation that was meaningful creatively between me and Nitro. So it's a little bit of fun. I don't take it too seriously. Ringo Starr did it. Freddie Mercury yep. did it. Jay-Z yep. did it. Why can't I do it? So even my buddy back here, the guy that produced my solo album, this fella here, you see the yep. back of his beautiful head, his name is Electric. And he's, uh, I don't think he was born with that name. So we've all got something like that. So it helps me to creatively uh, compartmentalize what I'm doing and to focus it. And uh, I'm still Tim Wilson, the drummer of Nitro for sure. But uh, when I step outside of that, I do things stylistically differently. And I'm a bit of a dictator within my Wax Mechanics uh, project. And it helps me to do that. So those people that have done it before, you know, the Ringo Stars and, you know, the Elton Johns and the Freddie Mercury's, uh, they kind of understand that. And I'm sure that's really all that it, uh, was meant to be a bit of fun but to help me creatively focus fair uh, we, should, uh, we should let him name us at some point yeah <laughs> yeah I, should I, let I, him I, name I, us give us our stage name so that we're both interesting and cool well you're you're obviously smart creative people and i'm going to leave that up to you so uh <laughs> you know we we all can't be born with the name elvis presley now can we so uh that's that's pretty cool or madonna you know she was born with that name it's a bit of fun and uh, I wanted to do it uh, for a long time and now was the time to do it. I've been performing around with it for a bit and recording under it. And uh, we even, and, and Curtis, you may know about this as well. Uh, we kind of used it to our advantage. You know, people would say, who the F is Wax Mechanics? You know, and I would get that quite a bit. So we've been having some fun with that as well in some of the, uh, the PR that we've been doing. Yeah. Um, Corey, did you want to do the next question? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't have a follow-up to that one, but <laughs> what else can be said, right? What else can be said with that one? Um, so moving on to the next subject, we, I mean, 
we we have a lot of questions for you on here, but I definitely wanted to hear more about your your latest album, Mabocracy, or however I'm saying that wrong. I oh, know I'm saying, saying it that correctly. Wrong. Good job. Oh, I I said it right. Holy crap! I am terrible I at pronouncing stuff. Um, <laughs> well, and uh, so yeah, and then your experience with Talon Records. I'd love to just hear more about what you got going on there. Well, uh, as I was saying, the songs always are, 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 are piling up. As a songwriter, um, and I don't know about anybody else, but for me, they're always coming. There's always one in the pipeline. I've been doing this since I was a child. Uh, so it's kind of second nature to me. I don't fight it. They sort of come as they want to. And uh, probably about 2015, these songs started to pile up that were reflecting times we were in here in America. Uh, you know, we were going through all this uh, sociopolitical uh, shift in our society. And I wasn't trying to do any, you know, I wasn't trying to write my Sergeant Pepper or anything like that. These songs just kept, sort of came organically and they were related. And uh, so whenever I was getting together with Electric to record some stuff, we found that a lot of these were certainly interconnected and were reflecting the times. And uh, at that point, it dovetailed a bit with my uh, uh, getting to know Electric Talent Records here in Philly great guys there. And uh, they heard some of the stuff that I was doing. I told them what I wanted to do, which was to make a record that was a bit of a themed record without getting too arty farty about it uh, or, 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 or pretentious. The songs were related. They wanted to be something. Uh, Electric and I sorted through about a dozen songs that I wrote on the topic about that time from 2015 through up and through 2020 when we released it. And uh, they came together and coalesced as this themed uh, album and it was reflecting all the tumultuous tectonic shift that was going on in America. And the title seemed pretty appropriate, Mobocracy, which is rule by the mob. And that's kind of what it felt like. There's a lot of aggression going on in the US. There was some anger. Uh, there was some polarization, as we know, that still is going on. America was transforming a bit. And although it wasn't really deliberate, uh, we kind of let it happen. And with Electric's mm -hmm. help, uh, we brought the album Mobocracy to Electric Talent and they said, this is uh, something that we want to do. And Stephen Burdick uh, was gracious enough and generous enough to say, let's do this in late 2020. And there you have it. So just on the, the album itself. So one thing that you ended up doing that I noticed that I kind of appreciated um, be, being a non-political person myself is you kind of had it be political yet not political at the exact same time. Um, how did you do that as a conscious? Thing, or was that just me kind of as a Canadian going like this is this is vague enough to not be polarizing well I wasn't being manipulative uh and it's a yeah. good question Curtis as an artist my job is to take in stuff to put it through my lens and to give it back and okay. that's what I do I yeah. wanted to make sure that I my my fear was just what you had described I've been on the political and social ends of the spectrum frankly I've been liberal at times I've been conservative at times. I didn't want it to take a political stance because I wanted it to be more of a statement of what America was going through. And it just so happened that at the time I was able to do that effectively. And Electric and I wanted to deliberately make sure that it didn't take a political stance because frankly, it didn't reflect what I was doing creatively. Secondly, we didn't want to offend anybody. Not that that really mattered, but if it had come out as a liberal or conservative record, that's how it would have come out. So. Mm -hmm. We did this deliberately to make sure that we were giving a bit of a reflection of what American society was about. I have friends and family and fellow artists that are both liberal and conservative, and the, the songs were coming out to where they could be interpreted either way. So each one of yep. the 
each one of them could were they were ambiguous enough and vague yep. enough that they could be interpreted both ways. I have to be honest with you. I, I just felt like the universe was kind of working with me, and they weren't giving me these political stance songs that uh, could possibly have come out at the time. So yeah. I was trying to be open minded. Fair enough. I, I I freaked out the day I think it was like the week after the election, and you and you released Victorious. I was like, oh no, what's it going to look like? And I was like, I thought it was going to be like this big, massive, polarizing thing. It wasn't. I didn't think it was. It, it was quite good. It was very neutral and very you know what i mean i thought it was very well done how you did the video thanks uh what we wanted to do is uh when we were writing this i was writing the song and i wrote it with electric uh he's co-writer on this one obviously yeah. he produced it and engineered uh most of it it was mixed by a fellow by the name machine and we, we can touch on that later victorious mm -hmm. was a challenging song because when i brought it to electric i said i wanted it to do two things it had to have a duality it had to do those things that we were just alluding to yeah. uh but it also, we have this, I, I wanted to have a song on there that, that spoke to the visceral response that I have to music, you know, like those tunes that you yeah. hear at a, at a football game, Crazy Train, Welcome to the Jungle, We Are the Champions, one yeah. of those kinds of songs that you can kind of take at a surface level uh, yeah. or take on the surface. Uh, the other aspect of it was I wanted to make sure that it spoke to one of the topics and, and melded well with the record. Specifically, I wanted it to show that... Uh, when people gain power and if they're not uh, uh, respecting of it and they don't wield it uh, respectfully, uh, that it can be a mess. So the yep. video showed that. You can take the song at, at face value, victorious, yell and holler and scream at a football game, that's great. Or you yep. can see what was intended, which was uh, this, this is about uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Didn't Spider-Man say that? Yep, so, yep, 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 100%. Um, Corey, you got to follow up on that? No, no. I, I mean, I just agree that I really, because I mean, I obviously am from America and I'm really close to Portland. So I was in the middle of a lot of the political upheaval that was going on in the clashes. So I really appreciated how, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Accessible. There we go. Accessible. Your album is regardless of political stance or, you know, where, where you're leaning, they're kind of, it, it's universal values that kind of apply to everyone, regardless of where you stand on either side of the aisle. I'm a typical American man born in the 20th century. So I'm in my fifties and I've had some experiences that took me through the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, etc. So mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm any smarter or any more uh, advantaged or disadvantaged. Uh, I'm, I was well-educated uh, in American universities so I have a, a pretty good slice of what uh, typical America is. And I'm a huge fan of uh, the stuff that we all grew up on in those times. And uh, my work reflects that. Uh, with the help of this guy here, we were able to focus that a bit. I'm a big fan of pop music. So the accessibility that you were talking about, that was deliberate for sure. I really <laughs> like the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Queen, that kind of thing that's singable, that is memorable, that's catchy and poppy. And, I wear that pop on my sleeve as a badge of honor, and I love that kind of stuff. So my audience knows that, uh, and you hear hints of that in some of the Nitro work as well. Now, it was tempered because of some of the other fellas in there, but I was bringing that pop element there to the Nitro work. And that also speaks to what we were talking about earlier, is I wanted to make sure that the Wax Mechanics work reflected a bit more of that. And mm -hmm. this fellow back here, Electric's a master at bringing that out in me and translating mm -hmm. it, getting it on the tape. So uh, the accessibility was important and we designed it in there with all the vocals and the catchy choruses 
but uh, it, it came together pretty well. And uh, I was really fortunate to have Electric working with me to bring that out. Yeah, it, it came out. It came out great. Yeah. Curtis, did you have a did you have a follow up? I did, actually. I was going to say one thing about this, though, is that um, it was still almost like it seemed to get picked up more by the metal press than like the uh, mainstream. I don't know if that was just because my contacts or what, but which could be the could be the case for all, for all I know. Um, why do you think it is that it seems that it connects with the heavier end of of the spectrum versus the uh, more mellower end, even though you were going for that accessibility? Well, first of all, Curtis, let me thank you for, for doing that. Your work was invaluable. I know what it's like to You're make welcome. a fresh artist, and boy, oh boy, do I appreciate mm -hmm. you. And, uh, uh, and, and Corey as well. So. No, no, no. He's amazing is what oh, I'm saying. Yeah. He, he can take a small artist and make them explode. So I'm just um, tooting your horn some, just a little bit because he's epic some, at his job. Sometimes. It's sometime. a team, guys, right? We're a team. Team. I mean, team. Well, I, first of all, uh, Curtis, uh, you know, without, yeah. uh, without puffing you up too much there unnecessarily, your work was invaluable and it got me in front of those kinds of people that I needed to be in front of. At my core, I am a hard rock guy. I like guitars, bass, and drums, and howling cranked up to 11. I also have a pop edge that I like to put in there, and I'm also a fan of some punk music as well. Uh, that said, I wanted to be known as a rock artist because it dovetailed with my work with Nitro. People know me from that. What We have a modest pedigree with Nitro. I know that. And, uh, but it's strong, and it's been spanning you know, 40 years, a few decades here of of that. So um, that's where my heart and my core is. And I wanted to make sure that it stayed there. Uh, the response that I think I'm getting is because of the quality of the hard rock that's there. You know, you've got stuff like Zeppelin influences in there, Black Sabbath stuff is in there, uh, Van Halen, Aerosmith, those Judas Priest. So we were pulling on all those influences. And I want to, and we'll go forward, even though my audience knows that I'm going to swerve a bit and uh, stylistically may change it up a little bit. At my core, I'm a hard rock guy, and I'm going to try to make the tent bigger than to make it smaller. I know that in some cases, and I've gotten a little bit of a pushback from some of the, some of the very uh, uh, focused hard rock fellas that say, listen, Black is one of those songs on there, and that's not really rock. What are you giving me here? You know, and mm -hmm. I'm like, I understand that, and I respect that, and there's room for all of us. But any audience that I have knows that stylistically, I mean, it's going to be hard rock and there may be some detours, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And above all, and Curtis, you know this as well as anybody, that the problem with breaking a new artist is to make sure that they have their own unique sound and style. And yep. I think that those things that I bring to the game will help me help to differentiate me from uh, all of the other sameness that's out there. And that's OK. I'm not doing it real deliberately, but I enjoy doing it. And uh, that's what they're going to get. I agree. And uh, one thing I, I, I kind of thought the record kind of sounded more like in the Soundgarden vein, more like, you know, it could go swing either way from heavy to mellow, but it's still all kind of fit together at the same time. So I, I can I can sort of understand why the why the metal guys would be into you because it's like Soundgarden metal mainstream mm -hmm. thing. Um, so I guess what I was trying to say, what am I trying to say here is um, who do you think your actual audience is then my audience is uh i have to be honest with you um, i think it's mostly rock uh rock. it's going to be people that are not uh strictly regimented in any subgenre. 
So yeah. those kinds of people that liked, and again, this is just my own experience, my own tastes talking, the sound yeah. gardens of the world, or the, the sound garden fans of the world, those folks yeah. that liked the kind of rock that I grew up with, you know, Queen and yeah. Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. I mean, on the <clears throat> Sabbath album 13, there was an acoustic song called Zeitgeist, you know, oh, and people loved that record. And then the rest yeah. of it was just heavy, snarling, you know, down-tuned stuff. And I love that. But when I heard Zeitgeist for the first time, I'm like, aha, that's the kind of Sabbath that I've come to the party for. That's the kind of artist that I want to be. And that's the kind of audience that I'm trying to cultivate. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Corey, did you want to do a follow-up before we get into more in-depth on promotion? No, because I, I think that's a perfect segue into the next question. I, cool. I mean, I don't want to interrupt that. It's perfect. Cool. So let's talk about, let's talk a little bit more in depth with your marketing promotion PR type thing. So um, how much of, how much of the whole uh, thing with, you know, who the fuck is wax mechanics type stuff? Was that your idea or was that Steven's idea or where did that come from? Well, uh, I brought it there to Steven and it's one of those things that, that, that you know, the hair kind of stands up on, on the back of your neck when you bump into something that's, that's unique and interesting and fun. So yeah. we saw it as fun because people were asking me that when I was talking to them about it, you know, who the fuck is wax mechanics? I'm like, I'm wax mechanics. And uh, so I brought it to Steven and we said, wouldn't it be fun if we got all these famous people to, and, and we faked it as you saw with our fun yeah. little uh, homemade do it yourself kind of way. You know, we had Freddie Mercury saying, who the fuck is wax mechanics uh, or, yeah. uh, you know, David Lee Roth or uh, whoever it was. We did a whole bunch of them. So that was a way to let folks know that we're really not taking ourselves too seriously here. This should be fun. Of course, there's room for humor and for seriousness. Mobocracy could be a real heavy kind of record, you know, uh, intellectually if I wanted it to be. And it speaks for itself, but my personality is such that I'm not that serious all the time. So uh, we're having fun with it. And Steven said, yes, let's go with this. And we're going to, that's a gift that keeps on giving, buddy. You know, Corey, if you look at them, you could just pick anybody and, and make fun of it forever. And that's what we're probably going to do. It's it lets my audience know, hey, yeah, there's time for levity and there's time for seriousness and you're going to get it all. It should be an experience that's not too uh, overbearing. And that's one of the things that I noticed specifically in like the rock and metal community is a lot of people take themselves way too seriously. And right. I almost feel like it hampers them a bit like when it comes to building their audience or um, engaging with their fans, they, they got a big old stick up their butts for I, lack of a better way to describe it. So I really appreciate bringing humor and levity into the situation. I mean, you can take your music seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, I take the work seriously and electric mm -hmm. and I, and the people that I, my, my motley crew of, 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 of musician friends uh, are all sort of the same way personally. Uh, I don't take myself too seriously. I take the work seriously. We try to do a good job. And the mission statement was to make the kind of record that Mobocracy was. And we focused on that when we needed to be. Now, I, I think I got my cues from the bands, the, the, the bands that I, I, I ended up enjoying. You know, Van Halen was a big American band and they're just a pile of goofballs. You know, mm -hmm. God rest uh, Eddie Van Halen. Um, and, you know, even Judas Priest, those guys, you talk to Rob, Rob Halford for 15 minutes, he's, he's certainly not taking himself too seriously, but they are. The the mm -hmm. now, uh, I think that folks, you know, maybe in the metal community take themselves a little seriously, too seriously too much, but I never really did 
and you know the zeppelins of the world and you know if my buddies from crowbot they're a new metal band and those guys are a bunch of goofballs and we love them and they are at the top of their game those fellows helped me out on my record quite a bit you know when it was time to hit record those babes were spot on and there was no messing around but when you you know in between they're just funny as all get out you'll watch an interview with any of those guys and they'll put you on the floor so I just try to be myself and I'm not too serious most of the time. And if people appreciate that, that's great. If not, I understand. That's fine. So Wax, so, or sorry, Tim, I'm calling you Wax. Well, we call me whatever you want. The Grand Puba, <laughs> the Grand Puba of Philadelphia. Um, do you think that doing that, like what you said with the whole, the, where's, where the fuck is Wax Mechanics and, and the out of the box type approach you took uh, actually worked? Or did you, did you think you want to, or do you want to try something different? Well, we're going to try some different stuff for sure, because, uh, you know, we have to make art is evergreen for me. You know, it, it oh. always is something that's evolving and changing. Uh, you know, the ACDCs of the world, notwithstanding, because we all love that. You know, I don't I never want ACDC to change. Please don't change. Guys. They won't. <laughs> so that is they're an outlier uh, and, and a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent, glorious outlier. Love ACDC. But just for me personally. I've grown over the past 40 years that I've been making records. They change. I'm not trying to force anything. To answer your question, Curtis, we yep. just love this notion of keeping the who the fuck is Wax Mechanics evergreen until I get to be like John Lennon and the Beatles, which I never will. So it's a gift that keeps on giving. If we find it, it gets tired. You know, people will let us know. But right now we're not doing them every 10 minutes. We're doing them for fun. We'll pick some fun people to, to get us uh, get us through those. But yeah, um, we'll be asking professionals like you guys to help us to fine tune what we're doing there. But I need all the help I can get. And if people, I've had response back from those uh, little videos we've been doing, who the fuck is Wax Mechanics? And people are saying, that is so funny. They don't say anything about the record, whether they like it or whether they hate it. And they don't, you know, whether they bought merch or not. That's not the point. The point is, let's have a little bit of fun with it. And uh, let's see if it can be memorable because it's the fire hose experience that you guys are dealing with. There's so much music out there. How do you differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack? I don't know. This is one of the ways that we're probably going to go. And it's going to keep giving, I think. Cool. So we're getting pretty close to needing to wrap up. So um, do you have anything final that you want to talk about, Tim? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, um, most important, let's let's put a little bit about uh, where we're going next. Can I say something? Sure. about? Oh, this? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. One hundred percent. So uh, it is April here in Philadelphia and I'm with Electric in the studio and you're seeing us here because we're working on uh, two new tracks, Farm Fresh Wax Mechanics. That is going to be a little bit different. Watch me start to challenge my audience a bit, folks. We're going to lose some people, but we're going to gain some people. Above all, I am the conductor on this train. And if you want to ride it with me, this is what we're going to be doing. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. I promise you. Said all that to say that uh, I am slated to do a split with a label mate, Troll Teeth, the mighty New Jersey Troll Teeth, for Electric Talon Records. And we're chambering this so that it's going to be released sometime this summer. I have two tracks on it. And uh, the tracks, the first one is called Head. And nice. the second one is called Freak Boutique. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And nice. is uh, getting them together today. Uh, we're, we're going to be working on it um, a little bit later on. It's a lot of the same crew that I worked with before. But this is not going to be Mobocracy 2.0, folks. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be fun.
Cool. We, well, I'm really thankful that we uh, were able to have you on the show. We definitely appreciate it. So yeah, um, Curtis, Part- any follow-ups? No, but party on, Corey. Party on, Curtis. And party, party on, on, folks. Say goodbye, Electric. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.